My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Kevin Williams, and that guy over there on the mic, on mic, on the mic, on the mic, Robert Harrison. Yeah, one, two, on the mic, one, two, check it, check it, come on. Chickity, chick, chickity, chick, hey, I'm the hype man. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, see, look at that, world's best hype man you right there. It. You got it, I got the job. What's going on with you this week? This How week. is this week different than last? It's been a long week, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Putting the finishing touches on a art proposal, trying to get some money for to make some art. Tell me how that works. You come up with a wacky idea, uh, and it's kind of like a science fair. People are having a fundraiser where you go and you bring your art ideas to this fundraiser, and you have a table, just like a science fair, and you set up a little, you know, cardboard Like a, like a rock and pod expo. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. And so you have your little table, and people walk by and ask you questions about your art project, and then whichever ones they like, they donate to. They just give you money. Give you money. Yeah, you like buy tickets at the door. And so then the, if they give you tickets, you get a certain amount of funding, then you get matching funding, and it's all going to be for a festival in this fall and so uh what yeah. happens if you don't deliver on that funding oh they come find you they do they come oh, find you okay yeah, yeah I've, I've you're not taking stories. you're not taking this money and going to the bar no 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 no. they will find you they get they're very serious about their art funding and a couple of guys pretty big dudes will show up at your door and ask for that money back politely okay got it yeah got it. no i've always come through with it i've always lived up to my end of the bargain and so it's been a couple of years thanks to <laughs> covid and you know we're gonna try it again all right so how much money does it take to build this new masterpiece? Oh, well, this one is, it's 11 feet tall. So All maybe, right. I don't know, 1500 bucks for materials, but you know, it's the labor. Yeah. That's, that's expensive. expensive. Really that's expensive. expensive. Yep. Yeah. I can't afford me. So yeah, mm. it's going to be, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, I haven't really calculated how many hours it's going to take, but I'm thinking it's about a two month project. Notice you're wearing your favorite shirt today, yes, by the way. Always. What Kiss. does that say? It says, uh, Kiss. 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 I wore it to work. You wore it to work? I wore it That's to work. work. Shirt. It's my work shirt. Yeah. I'm walking around this at Home Depot. <laughs> you walk to people, you walk up to people and, like, hey, do you know who this is? Yeah. Kiss. You should know. Let do me you tell you. Baby. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about this shirt here. <laughs> I do. I walk around like this, right? I'm wearing a Kiss shirt to Home Depot. Nice. You have made us the number one band in America. You did it, people! People over there, let me hear you! People over there, let me hear you! Wild animals, make some noise! All the way over there, let's see those hands! Oh, excuse me, I forgot. Hold on. People in the middle, let me hear you! I like that. Look at me. I'm all ready no, for. I'm business. all ready for vacation. You're ready for coffee and uh, uh, Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty vacation. Much. Yeah, okay. Pretty you can be ready for that too. A nice vacation. It's a nice, nice shirt. You're, I am. I you're am going ready. someplace nice, not slumming it. Well, not going to do much, but yes. Yeah. All right. So. Let's see, let's see. What should we do next? No, what should we do next? Can I talk about music? Oh, yeah. But before that, maybe you should go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podkiss, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, 
RetroZest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Monty, Monty's Rockcast. And I saw that Monty is now doing a whole bunch of paintings and prints. He should bring this out to the fundraiser. Well, this is what he does now. Yeah. He doesn't really do Galactic Cowboys anymore. He mm-hmm. does mostly his art, and his art is really cool. It was always what was on their covers. Mm-hmm. And so he, he does all these portraits of musicians and sports stars and all this stuff, and it's in his style. But he actually is doing prints now, because I could never afford the actual paintings that he does. The musician prints or like somebody's? No, no, no. Prints, <laughs> as in he's printing oh, them out. Okay. Printits. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> if you're looking for something cool to put up in your house, go buy a print from Monty because he does some really cool stuff. MontyColvinArt.com, I believe is what it is. Look at me pimping him out. Nice. He doesn't even pay me. And that's like, now he's going to have to give me a free print. 5%. <laughs> Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share, recommend us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go buy some of our stuff. Do what you will with us. Yeah. Have your way. All right. This week, I'm just going to jump into it because I'm not sure about you, Robert, but, you know, I had a birthday a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm definitely feeling more aches and pains mm. than I used to mm-hmm. or that yeah. I used to notice. No. Uh, but I'm to trying to, things. you know, I'm trying to listen to my body. I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I listen a lot more to my body now than I did when I was younger because you, you could just go and eat Taco Bell at, you know, 11 at night oh, and be fine I've with got that. stories of you and your hot sauce on every damn thing that you ate back then. Yeah. Even cereal. In, yeah. It was it's disgusting sometimes. Yes. <laughs> even for me. And I ate some bad stuff too. Yeah. Ate like past tense, like I didn't just have sourdough but, pizza for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but these days I'm trying to read all the signs so I don't have right. as many aches and pains. Yeah. And I consider, you know, I consider you and I pretty healthy and we're, we're still viable as yeah. human beings, I believe. We get around, we can climb that set of we're stairs right. to get downstairs. Yeah. I still feel like I have something to offer, even yeah. though I'm getting older, right? Yeah, you're still, we're still relevant in society. Have some value. <laughs> Are we still relevant? We I think we're, we're still relevant. Value added members of society, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So it got me thinking Cannon about, fodder. about all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it got me thinking about all of that, and I was like, how did these classic rock giants of the 60s and 70s, how they must have felt? Because most of them made it through those decades and just became huge. That mm-hmm. was the age of the rock star. And then most of them still continued in the 80s, but something happened when we hit the 90s. I don't know a what lot that, of those what bands. was that? I don't know. We, have we ever talked about that? Yeah, we've talked about oh, that. Oh, we have? Okay. Here's what really I was thinking about. Something unique happened with radio in the 90s. And we mm-hmm. talked about this a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. because all of a sudden in the 90s you had this new term and it was called classic rock. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. We said radio stations had to consider their options of what they were going to play because in the past before the 90s if you were a rock station i'm doing air quotes yes, rock. if you were a rock station you could play anything under that umbrella of rock but when you got to the 90s then you had this kind of new stuff where you had this punk mixed in with the rock and it became alternative and it was just too broad of a spectrum to play skinner then nirvana and then i don't know guns and roses it's mm. just i mean it was done but it was kind of weird crosby stills and nash mixed in with guns and roses Exactly, yeah. It wasn't really crossing over. So they had to decide, are we going to be a classic rock station, which was a new term, Mm -hmm. or are we going to be a new alternative station, or are we going to stick to metal and hopefully that still stays, which Mm -hmm. it didn't. That was kind of the conundrum that radio stations were in. And when they started using that term, classic rock, what happened was, and this had already happened a little bit, but it basically pigeonholed every single band from the 60s and the 70s mostly, because they were kind of writing off the 80s bands Mm -hmm. like the 80s bands just had nowhere to go at that point in time for the most part it was 60s and 70s they called that classic rock and the radio stations decided we're going to play a hundred songs and that's all we have (laughs) 
Sound about 36 these days. And if you are not, you know, if you had five hits in your career, mm-hmm. we're going to play two of them. Mm-hmm. We're not going to play the others anymore. And that is basically what happened to radio and classic rock and all of these bands who had these long careers, who had, you know, bands like the Kinks, who must have had, I don't know, 20 albums or something by that point mm-hmm. in time. No, we're going to play, you know, two of your hits that were ones from the 60s, ones from the 70s. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's all you get. And that's exactly what happened. And it caused these bands to start to only perform as legacy acts. They stopped writing. What's the point? Well, they did and they didn't. It took them a while to figure this out. So that's what we're going to talk about today, because a lot of these bands were used to putting out an album every year and touring. Mm -hmm. That's the way it was done. That's the way they had done it since the 60s or 70s, whenever they started. But all of a sudden they had an option. You could just stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And just play legacy. You can just play your hits and never have to write again. Or if they're a real band, they want to keep writing. They want to keep releasing new material. And a lot of them did that. And there was a lot of good music to come out of these classic bands in the 90s mm-hmm. that never they never got their day. They never got played on the radio. They didn't get videos because these guys are ugly. They're not, you know, MTV trendy yeah. looking. So they're not going to get played anywhere. They'd put out these albums. They'd go tour them. And they would play like two songs off of those albums. And then you'd never hear from and them. And that's yeah. when everybody went to the bathroom. Exactly. So today's episode, we're going to pay homage to some of those great albums that came out in the 90s yeah. from these classic bands that are just completely lost or forgotten. So this is episode 131, Forgotten Fossils. Bathroom break. Classic rock. (laughs) The bathroom break. (laughs) Classic rock in the alternative age. Let's just jump in. So these are all going to be bands that you know. Everybody will know these bands, but these may be from albums that you're like, hmm, I don't mm-hmm. remember an album in 1997. <laughs> and they're actually pretty damn good. That's that's the thing. I'm not playing stuff that I don't think is great music. These are all songs that I have cherry-picked that could be could have been played on the radio mm-hmm. and could still be being played. Just as, timing was a little off. They're just it was the timing. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, these songs were not in the batch of 100. And yeah, I don't know what they, I don't know what it really is, but that's what it seemed like. Sticks Come sail away. That's it. That's all you get. You know, and you can pick those, go through those bands. Yes, that we talked about last week. Yeah, you get, or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. The, so you, you'll get maybe, maybe, and these days you don't get any. Maybe two. We, we've talked about yeah. that, but during that classic rock period, you would get maybe two of those songs, and now you don't get any, but yeah. yeah so I've seen yeah. all good people. You'll get that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Roundabout. That's it. But let's start off with a band that everybody knows and loves, at least you and I do. It's an American rock band from Rockford, Illinois, formed in 1973. That was a good year. It's a real good year. <laughs> Happens to be the year I was born. Yeah, yes. I this, can remember it. This particular band, I know you probably know who this is already, but they have performed live more than 5,000 times, Jeez. sold more than 20 million albums, and were inducted into the Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll? Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. <laughs> rock and Roll. Hey, didn't see you come in. We're just getting into shape for our upcoming tour. We're playing five big shows in five days. So if you... Rock and roll! Why why don't you just sit in the corner, huh? Go on. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. 20 full-length albums. And the height of their mainstream popularity was the late 70s, early 80s. Of course, we're talking about Cheap Trick. Dream police. Na, 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 na. Now, can you, can you honestly tell me that you forgot? Forgot the magnetism of Robin Zander or the charisma of Rick Nielsen? That's kid stuff. Kid stuff? How about the tunes? I want you to want me. The dream police. Da, 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 da. Your mama's all right. Your dad is all right. But just seem a little bit weird. Surrender. Bye. 
Yeah, that's those are the guys. And if you don't know who Cheap Trick is and you're listening to this, well, you need to go to YouTube right now. Yeah, pause. Hit pause, pause. And go listen to some Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It's a little PSA for you. Okay. And now you know. <laughs> the more you know. Okay. So, in 1997, they released a self-titled, a second self-titled album. Cheap Trick did. And the album was kind of back to their swagger and power poppiness of their 70s heyday. And it was just, it's a fantastic record. And did radio or any media pay attention Mm -hmm. to this? What do we think? Great critical reception. But all you're going to hear from Cheap Trick on the radio starting in the 90s was Live at Budokan, one of those songs. I want you to want me. Or perhaps you'll get Surrender. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you'll get the flame, which was the power ballad, right? Yeah, they don't. They don't play. They didn't play that one that much because no, that was, it was really going trippy. out of fashion. That was on the adult contemporary radio station. Yeah, light hits one hundred and one. Exactly. So we're gonna play something from the nineteen ninety seven Cheap Trick album, self titled album, and this is a song called Yeah Yeah. <laughs> Feeling on 
That was the latest song from Jeep Trick. It's their new hot album that will never, ever, ever, ever play again. But they're coming this weekend, and we were paid to play that. Yeah, they'll be at the fairgrounds. <laughs> they'll be at the fairgrounds this weekend. <laughs> Go out and see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what would happen, too. <laughs> but why? Why couldn't that song be put into the mix? Yeah. I mean, that is a classic Cheap Trick sounding song. And 1997. Yes, yeah, not as upbeat as Surrender and Dream Police, but it's a good song. It's it's not a power ballad, but it's it's a mid-tempo rock song. I don't know. They got a ton of them. Yeah. I, I mean, every album. Yeah, 20 albums. They're going to have some, yeah. some good ringers on there. Exactly. <sighs> don't understand it. Well, let's talk about a band from the 60s. Now, the 60s bands really had it tough. So here Here's a band, an English rock band formed in 1967. Their best known recording was in 1967. It is one of the few singles to ever have sold over 10 million copies. A single. They were a mainstay of the late 60s and early 70s, and they actually split in the mid-70s. But they helped pioneer psychedelic rock and proto-prog with hints of blues and R&B and soul. And their single, like I said, was called Whiter Shade of Pale. Oh, yeah. And it was honored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. I'm talking about Procol Harum. The singer just passed away like a month ago. That's right. But talk about a band that, I mean, not necessarily a one-hit wonder, but when you have a hit that's that big... Mm. It makes you seem like a one-hit wonder. It's they had a lot to, of albums that it's sold. It's hard to chart the same way. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, that is just a, a classic song. And if you don't know Whiter Shade of Pell, you need to Once cut again, this hit, off hit right now and go to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay? Listen to Procol Harum. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Use their hands. Now remember that, because the more you know. I like that one better too. I didn't know I had two on there. <laughs> that was nice. A little bonus track. I like that. I'll throw that one in instead. That was our bonus track. Okay. That's Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> Hang on. Will Smith. The more you know. <laughs> Don't you ever <laughs> keep my wife's name out of your. Anyway. Yeah, the 60s bands were the first ones to go. When they started having to make choices because of all this new stuff, and for the radio stations that wanted to keep being just rock stations, the ones that went to, hey, we're going to be a classic rock station, they went all the way back, and they're doing the 60s to this day. There are still stations doing that. but Because you remember, before there was classic rock, there was a another format of radio called Oldies. And oh, that oldies was like, was like 50s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. It was like, yeah, 50s rock and early 60s. Yeah. And what Motown, happened, doo-wop, stuff yeah. like that. But what happened was like some of these bands that were rock bands in the late 60s, they yep. started to get lumped in with mm-hmm. the oldies. Now, Jimi Hendrix was one of the few 60s acts. And the Doors. And the and doors. It, yeah, I guess the Doors, but very rarely you got 60s, but it was usually Hendrix, Hendrix. or maybe the Doors survived that cut. Yep. And then the rock stations would play. Stones, you got Stones. Yeah, but even then, it was it was probably late, the, their later stuff. True. Not, not later stuff, but later 60s They're more or their 70s early stuff. 70s stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, Hendrix didn't have much in the 70s, so yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. So back to this band, Procol Harum. In 1991, they reformed with the original band, including Robin Trower on guitar, mm-hmm. who was an amazing guitar player. I don't know if you know, he played for them. You know, they were this 60s psychedelic band, but by 1991, they were sort of doing more of a contemporary, almost genesis. This Peter Gabriel, that kind of space type of thing where it was current, but it still sounded like them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought it went over really well. I bought the album that came out. It was called The Prodigal Stranger in 1991. And I thought the song I'm about to play should have been a hit. And there's no reason they couldn't have had those same fans on classic rock radio that loved the Genesis stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So here's a song called Man with a Mission from Procol Harum, 1991.
I'm thinking two or three years earlier that would have gotten picked up on a movie soundtrack because Man on a Mission, you could have tied that into 20 different movies that came out probably within the past or two or three years before that came out. So it, it was 91, but it still had a very much 80s yeah, it sound to it. Yeah, had that kind of bouncy. had that contemporary Steve, Steve Winwood, Winwood kind of thing. I was, I was trying to think yeah. of that. That's exactly what I was trying yeah. to think of, Steve Winwood. Maybe a little Peter Gabriel. Yeah, a I don't lot know. of keys in there. I liked it. I liked the yeah. keys, but it's Steve Winwood 100%. Total pop music yeah. that should have worked. And, and if they would have played it, probably would have But worked. it should have also been picked up on the, once again, there were radio stations, there still are, that are safe music that you can play in a business. Oh, uh, yes, on the your office PA, station. Yeah, like in, in Atlantis, B98.5, <laughs> all the light rock favorites. Yeah. Nothing too loud, nothing too right. controversial. We're just going to play all the mediocre stuff yeah. and, not, and not talk. And, so yeah. what do you think? Did radio pay attention? No. No, no, no. 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 no they were listening. You still songs. only hear ever yeah. the only song you ever hear by that band. Waiter Shade of Pain. That's it. That's it. That's all you're going to get, ever. And you're right now. Now it's oldie station. That's now oldies. You're not even on classic rock anymore. Travesty. Let's move on to another one. All right. Here is an American rock band formed in 1967 in Seattle, Washington. Sold over 35 million albums worldwide, including 22.5 million albums in the United States alone. They have placed 10 albums on the Billboard 200 in the 70s, in the 80s, the 90s, all the way up to the 2010s. Yet you don't hear any of these more recent ones on the radio ever. They had a huge success as a hard rock band in the 70s, and then even bigger success as far as sales figures in the 80s, and when they went pop rock. And we're talking about a band that's also in the Rock Hall of Fame in 2013. This is a band called Heart. What about love? <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think radio plays? What, what do we hear from Heart? Barracuda. Mm, Barracuda, yep, yep. That's, let's see, the um, current rocks, well, I mean, back in the 90s. I keep we get Magic of, Man. Uh, yeah, Magic Man. Crazy on you. Yeah. So we get probably three of theirs. Yeah. And then the adult contemporary is What About Love, the power, the <laughs> I was 80s gonna say, power ballads. If you go to the 80s station yeah. or the station you're talking about, then you'll get the 80s hits. How do you'll I get, all I want to do is make alone. love to you, These Dreams. Yeah. Oh, that was a these good one. These Dreams. Yeah. You get uh, never. Yeah, That's between the one. two of them, there was like 50 gallons of hairspray. Between, <laughs> I mean, you think the guys had big hair? The women were like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Hang on. Hold my Aquanet. Let me show you how it's done. But guess what? They were still putting albums out in the 90s. They were still, they took a little break, but they came back in the 2000s and they put out some incredible music and no one ever plays it, ever. And they put out a killer album in 2004 called Jupiter's Darling. And this is Heart sounding the way Heart should sound. I mean, why does it not get played? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. But if you don't know who Heart is, you need to go to YouTube right now and YouTube Heart, okay? Because the more you know, the further you'll go. I'm out of here. Do we get Eddie Murphy or anybody else besides Will I'll Smith? I'll find some others. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Sam Kinnison. Oh! Oh! Now you know! <laughs> Your dog is breaking out. Dio didn't like that. He didn't like that. Superstition Gotta get a stick 
I love her voice. I've always liked that. And I love the fact they have some updated guitar sounds, but they're still analog. Yeah. They didn't jump that. Yeah. Well, that's Nancy that. playing, too. Man. Yeah. She can just, she can jam. Man. I mean, they had another guitarist. I don't know who all was playing on that. Magic Man was written about their former, right, yeah. I guess, former guitarist. I don't think he's with them anymore. No, no. He, he didn't make it out of the 70s. I, I couldn't remember. I don't know the full story. I know they were they had something going on or were married or just fooling around yeah, or something. Yeah. I think he and Ann, I believe. Ann, yeah. But anyway, so between right. her voice, really good guitar sounds without like i said falling into the digital trap 
it sounded updated and, and fresh, but it still had that heart sound to it. They had a little more success, and, and I've read it before. They've continued to have success, but yet you don't hear this on the radio. No, like if you would play this instead played. of Barracuda, mm. the same people that love Barracuda every day that they hear it yeah. would love this song. They would love it. And you've heard me for how many years we've been doing this podcast, gripe and complain about radio. Yes, I need stuff like this because it's not too far-fetched that you wouldn't have to announce that, hey, this is hard. You just play this song and it'd be like, oh, that's hard because right. it's it's very it familiar. sounds like hard. It's familiar, yeah. but it's new. It's not them trying to be 1976 hard. Right. But it has the same spirit. That's yeah. why I just think the same people that attitude. love that stuff would love it. Yeah, good rock and roll attitude there. So that came out in 2004, and they had taken some time off. This was them coming back mm. from the 90s and starting over, basically. And on that particular album, the bass player is Mike Inez, who is Alice in Chains, because mm. they have all these ties oh, to Seattle. Like, that guitar riff is very, very Alice in Chains. Yeah, well, it's a very Seattle sound, mm. and that's where they were from. Uh, as far as how it did, it did peak at number 94 on the U.S. Billboard TV. 200, didn't stay there very long. That particular song peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Heritage Rock Chart. Oh my Which God. means it was played like three times. The oldies charts. Yeah. So if you've heard that song, I bet you didn't hear it very often mm. on the radio. It should be played to this day. Yeah. It should be number 101 in their list. It's a good representation of them. It's not them just flailing around trying to regain their former fame and fortune. It was, it was just them putting out good music. It's just them being hard. Yeah. And you know, I, I know some people say that as that band got older that they a lot of people stopped paying attention to them in the 80s because mm-hmm. they became a pop band go listen to their 90s and 2000s and beyond stuff because they went back to being they just remembered hard. how to rock all right so let's talk about something we haven't hit on yet which is the british invasion mm-hmm. how did the british invasion bands do most of those bands were from the 60s mm-hmm. and they're iconic how did they fare in the 90s some the stones the stones are always going to do the, well yeah. because they tour stadiums others beatles didn't tour a lot once the 80s hit you they, know, they, they didn't just, tour at all did they, they? No. <laughs> never saw them tour they weren't around uh-uh. even the who i mean the who was just they were there like every i don't know it seemed like every 10 years the who would pop up but yeah. they weren't really a mainstay so you really had only the Stones. Mm-hmm. And up until the early 90s, you also had this band. This is another English band. They were formed in Muswell Hill, North London in 1963 by two brothers. They are regarded as one of the most influential rock bands of the 60s and the British Invasion because they helped pioneer something called distorted guitar and power chords into a pop song. They had five top 10 singles on the US Billboard chart. Nine of their albums charted in the top 40. In the UK, they have 17 top 20 singles and five top 10 albums. And they have somewhere between 100 to 200 compilation albums. Jeez. of their music, which is just Every which unreal. way you can combine them, permutations. This band was inducted into the Rock Hall in 1990, so boys and girls, I'm talking about the kinks. And Van Halen wouldn't be where they are today. <laughs> exactly. Now, if you don't know who the kinks are, you should go listen to some Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> go to YouTube, listen to Van Halen. The more you know. La mas tu sabes. So this band kept putting out albums throughout the 70s and the 80s, and they actually had some success in the late 70s and early 80s. But after that, not really. And you still don't hear any of those songs that they had some success with. Was it Come Dancing being was uh, 80, Come, Come Dancing was the last kind 81? of big hit. Yeah, it's like 80, 81, okay. somewhere around there. I love that song. Yeah, so, and that's what you get. If you're going to hear the Kinks on the radio, you get something from the 60s, like, You Really Got Me mm-hmm. All Day and All the Night. You might get 
Lola from the 70s, mm-hmm. or you might get Come Dancing from the 80s. But that was another band that got axed from the rock stations. You just really didn't hear any of that. Nope. And did you know that they came to Atlanta in 1993 and played the Roxy? No, I wasn't here in 93. I know, but they played the Roxy. <laughs> wow. Like, really? The Roxy's not a huge venue. It's a nice venue, but it's not a huge venue. And the Kinks played there in 1993. They released their last full-length album before the brothers just couldn't deal with each other anymore. As that goes, yes. <laughs> That's how it went. <laughs> the first Oasis. Yeah. So in 1993, the Kinks put out Phobia, and it was a, you know, honest God Kinks rock album. It wasn't them trying to do a rock opera like they had done with a bunch of other albums. It was just them back to being the Kinks. Yet you did not hear this on the radio. It spent only one week on the U.S. Billboard chart at number 166, and then it was done, and the band got dropped from Columbia, even though the tour was successful, Mm -hmm. and the band was like, we're done. They put out one more compilation album where they had a couple of new songs in the mid-90s, and that Mm -hmm. was it. And ever since then, it's just been Ray Davies or Dave Davies. So I'm going to play something from Phobia from 1993. This should be on the radio to this day. It's It's a kink classic, even the title, man. It's all right. Don't think about it.
damn good song. Right? Obviously, these guys knew what they were doing, but zero plays on any of the radios that I was listening to. Didn't even know the album was out. Nope. I liked the Kinks. I had Kinks albums in 1993, and I didn't even know it was out. Stealth album. Lost on me completely, yeah. because I mean, nobody to, was covering it. Even today. I mean, I don't think it sounds dated. It just, it's just a, just a good song. It sounds like a Kinks rock song. And yeah. that's, that's all these songs I'm trying to pull, with probably the exception of the mm-hmm. Procol Harum, don't sound that dated. They yeah. sound like the band at their peak. And They're just done at different times. The only couple of bands I can think of that back in that time, I remember we've joked about how when the bands would come through on tour, that's when you would generally hear the DJ play something from their latest album, and then you'd never hear it again. Yep. But you and I grew up in the deep, deep south, and so I remember Leonard Skinner. Then, you know, in 89, 90, 91, somewhere in there, they had, hey, we got a new album, and it was almost painful to listen to because it was Leonard Skinner trying to sound like Leonard Skinner. Like, hey, let's sit down and write a song that sounds like a Leonard Skinner song instead of just writing good music. And so it was just like, dude, okay, no, just play the hits. You guys just need to play the hits. Stop that. <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said for, and Leonard Skinner is a good example because that really wasn't the same band no, at all. Was Ronnie stopped and they were the songs. Well, he, you know, they were dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so that was a whole different story. That wasn't really Leonard Skinner. Yeah, they, I don't think they ever wrote any hits was, after yeah. that fact. It was they a just, tribute to yeah. them. But then like Molly Hatchet. You oh, know, yeah. I would hear, yeah. you know, there's a gator in the bushes or something like that in 89, somewhere in there that, okay, you know, they're trying to recapture the glory days of Southern rock and it's just uh, not quite there. But Yeah. Some didn't hit the mark. Yeah. I think the ones that I'm playing, I'm trying to talk about bands that did it's, hit the yeah, mark. Yeah, I'm just giving you the other side yeah, of that. There that, was another side There were sure. the bands that tried and you're like, no, there, no stop trying. Yeah, n- no These doubt bands, about it. There are bands, there are some bands that should hang it up. And certain times, and a lot of bands don't always hang it up when they should. Journey, I mean, I've heard a couple of their newer thing, newer songs, and without Steve Perry, you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Not the same. Not the same, man. Hey, Neil Sean, you sound great, but no. Well, speaking of a very familiar voice, let's talk about a band. So this is an interesting one, because this band basically split into two factions in the 90s. And the one I'm going to play is not the namesake band, but I'll get into this. Mm-hmm. So the particular band I'm going to play features two prominent members from an American band from Boston, Massachusetts that had its most commercial success during the 70s and early 80s. Their first three albums sold over 28 million copies. They're from Boston. Who do you think it is? Boston. It's Boston. I mean, talk about that band sold a lot of albums, man. And if you don't know who Boston is, you really should go over to YouTube right now because you're going to find a whole What should you put in the search engine? Boston band. The more you know. <laughs> yeah, because if you just Google Boston, you might not get the you might results. Get, you might get something else completely. Yeah. Anyway, their first, like I said, their first three albums, huge success. And Boston would take all this time in between their albums. And there was always some reason. Legendary, legendary battles between him and the yeah. record companies, them suing him to his, finish up the albums. His studio burned down one time and he had to totally redo. I think before Third Stage, yeah. they had to completely redo Third Stage. Can you imagine completely. being that record exec thinking, okay, they got two more songs. Okay, just two more. What? <laughs> it burned down. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s, Boston would release another album. Their fourth album called Walk On came out in the 90s, but it didn't have Brad Delp on it. Mm-hmm. It had different singer. And so this is kind of going to what you're talking about. Boston without Brad Delp, to me, just didn't work. Mm-hmm. That was a bad idea. Because Brad Delp wasn't the songwriter. But it was his but voice. It was just, his voice you just heard. Just like that Steve it Perry voice. It was a unique voice. and Not unique. It was an amazing voice. Amazing yeah, voice. Amazing voice. So you put that together with the talent of everybody else. So what Brad Delp did is he 
got together with Barry Goudreau, who was the other guitarist in Boston. Mm. So those two went and they formed a band called RTZ. And Barry was doing a lot of harmonies with Brad on the Boston side. Yep. So they already had a good connection. And so they released an album as this band RTZ in 1991. It was very comparable to, obviously, the Boston sound. Mm. And the name of the album is Return to Zero. That's what RTZ stands for. Now, did radio or any media pay any attention to either of these mm. bands? No. Boston's Walk On, I thought this was interesting, Walk On actually certified platinum and reached number seven on the Billboard Top 200. Now, I have no recollection of them ever playing anything off of Walk On. I don't remember Boston without Brad Delp's voice on it, but yeah, apparently I, it sold. I can't remember it either. Now, RTZ, which I think is the better album, no. They had a successful single, you know, did okay in certain markets, but not really in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they had, I think, two other singles, but really they didn't really sell anything when you think of Boston, you think of radio, you hear the same songs mm-hmm. all the time. You hear more than a feeling, long time, and don't look back. Maybe Amanda, but you get oh, maybe rarely, four songs. Rarely Amanda. They, yeah. they, they don't like playing that one. Yeah, that's a great song. It is. But yeah, you basically get three songs and you Rock don't... Rock and roll band, everybody. And you don't get anything from RTZ. No. We're going to give you some RTZ. So here's Brad Delp and Barry doing a song called Another Time. This came out in 1991.
that is just like running into an old friend you haven't seen in about 20 years. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, man, what's going on? I remember that, but I don't remember it, but I remember that sound. Yeah. That was better sounding than Boston, actually, at the time. Yeah, I that think so, was, too. That was perfect. I mean, 1991, think of how overdone everything was. You know, just the bloatedness of all the five-minute power ballad songs that were out. And then all this, this is minimalistic, except it's, it's not. I mean, it's just 70s rock in 1991. Yeah, and you know, it's if you're already playing, if you've already decided well, I'm going to be a classic rock station yeah. and we're playing More Than a Feeling, put that on. Yeah. Because the same guy that likes More Than a Feeling is going to love I that. I would have bought tickets to that concert just as quickly because yeah. that's 75% of Boston right there, at least the sound, not the members. Yeah. But the sound yeah. of Boston. Would you hear they those the harmonies? Hammond. They had the Hammond. I mean, oh, yeah. I noticed they had it kind of way down in the mix right, yeah. versus Boston. It was 90s. Yeah, but still, I, I would have been like, no, 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 more, more Hammond, please. Yeah, bring that up a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, talk about a voice. I mean, yeah. it's just it recognizable. Just, you know absolutely. who that is. That's no. what I said. It's very familiar, but yet I'd never heard that before. So it was really fun to hear that. Go listen to the whole album. It's good. I mean, some of the songs definitely have more of an 80s feel to them. Mm. Like they were trying to capitalize a little bit on what was going on in mm. 1991. But that but was 77 right that there. That sounded like Boston mm-hmm. in their heyday. There's no reason that shouldn't have been played. That was good. Pretty sad what happened to Brad. He, yeah. He committed suicide in 2007, but man, that guy had pipes. One of my favorite singers. I never got to see them live. No, I, I don't think I ever did. So I, I mentioned that Boston released Walk On in mm. 94, and I guess RTZ just didn't work out, and so Brad actually ended up joining Boston on that tour, and mm. I was supposed to go see them, and I didn't realize that Brad Delp was in the band. I chose not to go see them because Thinking, I was like, it's not the real Boston. Yeah, then you're like, oh, son of a Then I found bitch. out later, yeah, he was actually the singer. You can't win them all, man. Can't yeah. win them all. I always loved that band. Yeah. That was one of the bands that kind of got helped get me into music because my sister had third stage on cassette <laughs> and I used to go steal it off of her stereo mm-hmm. in her room and I'd put it in my boom box because yep. I only had like three cassettes. And so everybody that's listening, if or if you're listening and you were or are in a band, you'll understand the pain and suffering that comes when you write an amazing song and you take it to your fellow band members like, here's my new song and you start playing it and the drummer goes, uh, yeah, that's more than a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and you think about it for a second, you're like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> or just the chord structure. And it's like, oh my God, it is. Damn. And you like wad it up and throw it away and go back to the drawing board. Because it's like every third song you write is a, a version somehow more than a feeling. <laughs> a version of Boston. <laughs> yeah, somehow. But I mean, that's obviously because I love that music. It's what I grew up on in the early days. You know, well, For me, it was the 80s because I didn't right. really know much going on in the 70s. But yeah, that, that was the guitar sound that I always wanted and never could have. And you know, all the, I couldn't hit those notes when he's like Brad Delp sang, but still, so I wanted to write songs like that. It's interesting to me because there's a lot of people that hate Boston. There's something we, about because they were so massively successful, popular, I know, and because they were kind of put together to be successful. I'm that way yeah, about a lot of but things they're too. Awesome. But, yeah, they, but they're, they're really good. <laughs> but they're good. His guitars were amazing. Yeah. God, that sound was amazing. Yeah. But I think a lot of people think it was manufactured. Like, yeah, it was, but it was still a band. It wasn't I mean, like I've it seen, was fake. I've seen concert footage. It was real enough to me. Those guys were out there playing those instruments, singing those tracks. Yeah. It just, just sounded damn good. So, yeah, yeah you, can, you can hate on it all you want. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is coming from a, a punk rock kid. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I should hate corporate rock. I'm doing right. air quotes again. But a good song is a good song, and mm-hmm. good players are, can be heard. Yes. And those are good players. So let's talk about 
about a band that was a supergroup in the 70s, and they were formed in London and L.A. in 1975 by this guy named Richie Blackmore. And originally this band had this other guy, who I believe your dog knows, his name was Ronnie James Dio in it, and I'm talking about Rainbow. And Rainbow had a bunch of different versions of the band. So in the 70s, they had Dio, and it sort of spawned the whole Wizards and Warriors and went on to help create... Quests what over is, a mountain with yeah. witches and fog. It, it helped create what became <laughs> power metal and heavy metal as we know it. But they were basically a hard rock band. They were just a little bit heavier than Deep Purple, which yeah. is where Richie came from. And it was more fantasy-based. And then Richie decided that he wanted to move on. Ronnie went to join Black Sabbath, and Richie wanted to move on into more AOR. He wanted more commercial success. Mm-hmm. So he had Graham Bonnet in for an album, and they still play the song that Graham sang on, which was Since You've Been Gone. And then he decided he wanted to get even more exposure. He thought he could really be like a, you know, like a journey or something like that and mm-hmm. capture that AOR arena rock area. And he got in JoLynn Turner, and they did a bunch of albums with JoLynn Turner in the early 80s. But they in- eventually dissolved in 83 because it really wasn't that successful. But people still love Rainbow, and people still talk about Rainbow. And uh, Richie Blackmore and Roger Roger lover who were in rainbow they went back to deep purple and they did another version of purple in 84 which was pretty successful the band sold 30 million records worldwide so rainbow was successful they're not as much of a mainstream band as maybe the others that we've been talking about but as far as being an influence on metal and on hard rock rainbow is a huge band and in 1993 richie decided he wanted to reform the group and he got a new singer so we have a different singer and this guy named doogie white and they put out an album in 1995 and again this This is the band that helped establish heavy metal and power metal. Did radio pay any attention to this? Mm. Absolutely not. But it did go gold in Japan. It did okay in Scandinavian countries. They pay for the recording, basically. Yeah, but here, nothing. I mean, if you're going to hear Rainbow, you're going to get maybe Man on the Silver Mountain, maybe Since You Be Gone, Uh, Stone Cold. Maybe. You get that on like Sirius XM, their Aussie's Boneyard. You get those songs, but on rock stations today. Probably not in the hundred. <laughs> no, they're, they're not in the hundred for rock stations. And on the classic oldies rock station, you get Since You've Been Gone. I don't know about Man on Silver Mountain. I don't know if they play that much. Yeah, you don't get a lot of D.O. on any no. kind of mainstream radio. But I tell you what, go look up YouTube Rainbow 1976, 77 any of those years mm-hmm. and look at a live performance from Rainbow, you will be blown away by Mr. Ronnie James Dio and Richie Blackmore together in that band. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. Never, ever, ever tape yourself having sex. You think you're going to erase it. You say you're going to erase it, but you're not going to erase it and someone's going to find it. It's just the worst, worst idea you could do. Never, ever tape yourself having sex. I can't stress this enough. The more you know. So why don't we play something from 1995? They put out an album called Stranger in Us All. And this was the last thing that Richie Blackmore did before he went completely medieval music. Do you know this? No. Yeah, so he basically hung up his guitar and started playing like mandolin and playing like Renaissance music. A lute. He played a lute. A lute, whatever it is, yes. And... This was kind of the last hurrah, this rainbow thing that he did. Kind of weird where he went from here. This sounds to me like rainbow of old, and this should have been on the radio, and Mm. it should still be on the Sirius stations. I bet the Sirius XM stations don't even play this stuff. Mm. So here's rainbow with Wolf to the Moon.
one thing that song was missing dive bombs <laughs> not really a Richie Blackmore thing. No, no, not at all. He's got an amazing style, very unique, but it's very clean. Super clean. And if you had changed the guitar tone and just really cranked up the distortion on that, it would have been an actual metal song. Right. Because the beat, the lyrics, the vocals, everything was screaming Ronnie James Dio-ish right. metal song, except the guitars were... I mean, excellent guitar playing, but it just doesn't quite fit with everything else that's going on with that song, especially 19. 1995. 1995. Nobody nobody was hearing this. No. <laughs> in 1995. If you weren't rocking out to grunge or alternative and you were in classic Who, rock, you weren't getting this. Yeah, I guess there was probably some older crowd. Let's see, we were early 20s when yep. grunge hit. Yep. And so let's just say you were 34, 35, and you know, you're into modern music because you're still relatively young, especially right. now that we're older. You're still viable. Still <laughs> viral. <laughs> But all of a sudden, grunge comes along, and it's just not your thing. What do you do? You're still listening to the classic rock bands. Maybe you did hear these songs somewhere because you weren't listening to all the new stuff coming out. Yeah, and I think that's probably the case with a lot of guys at that time at that age not us because we were no we we were more we were the target market i mean for that period of our lives we were what everybody was shooting for but i do remember because 95 is when i moved to atlanta and i remember because i i I didn't know anybody and Mm -hmm. i would basically every week i would go to best buy at least once or twice a week Mm -hmm. and literally just walk around and look at cds and pick up chicks no, no. I literally just <laughs> what? try to waste some time because Kevin, I didn't know anybody. Eugene Williams in 1995 wearing sneakers and khaki pants. You weren't <laughs> knocking them out of the park? Not at all. Not at <laughs> all. Especially neither, not in the Best Buy. Neither was I. So, But I do remember going to Best Buy and I remember seeing this. And one thing we haven't mentioned with a lot of these albums are these are well-known acts. Yeah. But in 1990, a lot of these albums were not on major labels. Like this was on a, oh, an yeah, independent now, label. They had gone through a couple of transitions. You didn't get a whole lot of not only were they not being played on radio but because they weren't on a major label there was no kind of push Mm, for the music no promotion for it so i would just happen to see something and i remember seeing this at best buy picking it up going i've never seen this rainbow before what is this and then seeing that it has 1995 on the back and i'm like this is new new rainbow how do i not know about this well, because it was 1995, and I didn't buy it, honestly. I didn't buy it then. I bought it later because I was probably picking up the latest well, you had, 311 or something. Yeah, you had 20 bucks to spend. Not yeah, exactly. On, not, not on that. Yeah, 311, 1995. <laughs> I did want to mention, so the other thing that's missing from that, as much as I like it and I think it's great, Doogie White is not Ronnie James Dio. Can you no, imagine in 1995 if Ronnie James Dio had sung on this? It might have been a different story. I don't know. Because he was huge. He was, he, was, he was still doing okay. I but mean, the two of them together. Yeah, he didn't drop off face of the earth like some musicians there there are people that still loved him and right but if the two of them together had back. done something it well, probably would have had a little more oomph to it yeah i agree but i don't know but doogie white so i actually have seen doogie live he actually was one of the singers when i saw michael schenker a couple years ago and I, I saw the michael schenker forget if, what it was called it was the festival or something like that and what michael schenker did was he got all the singers that he's ever used like five different singers oh. and they all came out and did different songs th- That's of their cool. era with Michael Schenker. It was really cool. Give me a nice little payday. And, and Doogie was one of them. Very cool. And then they came out and they did songs together, all the singers. And it was it was actually really, really cool. Graham Bonnet was there. He was one of them. All right. So I have one more for you. And 
we're going to talk about a band from Topeka, Kansas. I don't know who this could be. Carry on my wayward side. They have had, I don't know, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. They had nine gold albums, four platinum or multi-platinum albums, a platinum live double album, mm. and a million-selling single. I think we know what that is, probably. Mm. They are equal parts, hard rock, prog rock, and AOR Arena Rock. And a little bit of fiddling. A little bit of fiddling. 16 full-length albums, most of those in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And they actually kept going. And in 1995, they actually released an album as well. And I'm talking about, of course... Topeka. The band Topeka. No. <laughs> no, no. This is the band Kansas. And if you don't know who Kansas are, well, you should probably go to YouTube again and check that out because in the 70s, they had a little ditty. What was that little ditty called? It was a little warm-up on the old acoustic guitar. A little carry let, 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 let me close my eyes. Close my eyes. I can just for a moment here. Oh, it's gone. Oh, well. <laughs> carry on. Carry on. <laughs> anyway. That was guitar class number two. <laughs> when we learned finger picking, I did that song, and I think I got a B plus on it. Uh, I think I've messed only up Only a B plus? Yeah, I think I've messed up a couple of times. You should have known more. I should have <laughs> gone to YouTube back in 1989. Kansas actually kept going. Now, it's interesting because I saw Kansas. I actually took a girl on a date in college in the 90s to see Kansas. Oh, that's a ringer right there. Oh, that's a chick magnet. Come on. What the hell Chicks was love. I thinking? Prog rock. Kansas played a bar in Greenville, South Carolina, because they had not put out this album yet. This was probably like 93-ish. Yeah. And what happened to Kansas was they had some pretty good success through the 80s, and then they actually became kind of a legacy act. Mm -hmm. And they basically just toured and played the 70s Small festivals and fairs. They would play fairs. They would play state fairs. They'd play the place in Greenville that I'm about to talk Uh about, which was called Cowboys. Oh. And Cowboys was a redneck- Two-stepping Two-stepping- Boogie. Yeah, it was a boot bar, basically. Boot and it bar. was like hay on the floor. Mm-hmm. And and when Kansas is not there, yeah. that's not what's playing. They they mm-hmm. have like the, what was that stuff called back then? That cowboy dancing, whatever, uh, line dancing. Line dancing. I was going okay, 1993, I know for a fact my cousin would do that. I mean, he would dance all night long because only like eight guys knew how to dance. And oh, I bet he got all the chips. Women were waiting in line <laughs> to dance with him. I was always jealous of that. Yeah, no, couldn't Frank. do it. Frank. Couldn't do it. Frank, who's been on the program. Frank is the program he could dance oh my god next time he comes over he's gonna have to give us a little lesson yeah if he had boots he had a little cowboy hat on (laughs) tight jeans he would be like all right see you later and i went with him one time and i was just like wow i am completely out of place (laughs) i just stood against the wall and watched him in action i feel weird i don't don't think i fit in here my alternative grunginess doesn't feel right here yeah i just i don't know what i was back then but it was just not i was alternative for that yeah so i actually asked this girl on a date and I'm like hey do you want to go up to Cowboys and I'm sure she's thinking like oh and she's from New Jersey yeah <laughs> so, uh-huh. so I'm sure she's thinking like oh I'm gonna go get some kind of southern flavor of initiation some, yeah some date. southern culture yes yeah and I take her to see Kansas in 19 I want to say 93 and it was an amazing concert they were great but just thinking back on that we actually had another date so it oh, actually was okay so but it wasn't the day it wasn't the band then it wasn't the band but then in 95 Kansas actually came back and started putting out albums mm-hmm. again and their albums are continue to be in that Kansas realm of all those things mixed together mm-hmm. that make them who they are. Very unique band. Again, if you're going to listen to the radio, they're going to give you nothing but dust in the wind, mm-hmm. point of no return, and carry on. That's it. That's all you're going to get. And a footnote. So this album that they released in 95 is called Freaks of Nature. It's on a, not on a major label. It's mm-hmm. on a you know smaller label. And that same year, their song from the 70s, 
Carry On Wayward Son was the second most played track on U.S. classic rock radio. Damn. In 95. They put out a new album, mm-hmm. and they're still having to contend with their Carry On Wayward they get, Son. They get, sorry. <laughs> they get knocked off the... T- <laughs> he always wants to join in. Is that the beaver? Or is that the, uh, the woodchuck? The let, woodchuck? Me see, let me go see what animal this is. False alarm. It was my next door neighbor walking down the street, coming back from the grocery store. So the girl with the dog? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. My next door neighbor. Has oh, to, okay. no, Jared, real nice guy. He's walking to Publix to get some milk or something. Dio has to annoy him by barking at him. <laughs> He's not a very good neighbor. Dio, you're not a good neighbor. All right. So carry on, Wayward Son, 1995, the second most played track on classic rock radio yeah. in the U.S. In '97, it was number one. Twenty. It came out in 1976, I believe. God. Either 75 or 76. How wild is that? You put out a new album and you get knocked off and, the charts by your song from 20 years ago. Well, here's what happened with that album. So they released two singles with the album Freaks of Nature in 95. Neither one charted, and the album itself barely made a dent. It didn't even appear on Billboard mm. at all. They go on tour with Alan Parsons and Sticks in 1995, which that would have been a pretty badass show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but here again, it's 1995. Who's mm. going to see Kansas, Alan Parsons' band and Sticks? I mean, you just saw Alan Parsons. I did. I loved it. I saw him in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> right next to me. What's <laughs> up? What's up, yeah, dude? Yeah, man. <laughs> like your pool noodle, man. You remember that time you toured with Kansas and <laughs> Sticks? Yeah. <laughs> if I was there... I would have totally done that because you know I couldn't resist just being that guy that he looks you like. remember like, that? Really? Seriously? <laughs> you, you, remember when, you remember when you were with the Beatles? That was awesome. You're going to ask, I'm in the pool. Yeah, okay. Oh. Security. Well, I want to play you something from this album, even though no one else paid attention to it when it came out. I think it's Kansas doing what Kansas does well, and this is a song called Black Fathom 4.
that was a lot like me when I wake up in the morning. It was very, very slow to get started. But then once it got going, rocking out, rocking out, <laughs> then it slowed down again. And, you know, I usually have a nap and then get back up again and rock out the rest of the day. Well, these old guys, they can't keep it yeah. going the whole time. Yeah, for you four gotta, minutes. Yeah. Have and flow, time. man. <laughs> very Kansas. Yeah, super, was very super Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, like the beginning of it was like, eh, whatever. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, but stick that on instead of pointing no return. Yeah. I think the same guy who likes pointing no return is going to dig that. Yeah, and that's I would like to maybe sit down for an album and listen to one of the albums, not just a snippet. Kansas Sir, because a lot of people only know the radio yeah. songs, and they are a deep, deep band. I mean, they're proggy, but if you like hard rock more than you like prog, you'd still like Kansas. Yeah. And another band that the singer, to me, the band without Steve Walsh mm-hmm. singing is not Kansas. They, he also passed away recently, didn't he? No, you're thinking of the, the violinist. Oh, the, oh, oh, the violinist. violinist. Robbie yeah, Steiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah passed he passed away. away recently. Yeah, no, Steve just, he retired. Yeah. So he doesn't sing with them anymore. And I, their new stuff's fine, but it yeah. doesn't sound like Kansas without his voice. But they still tour. So now they you're, now you're seeing tour. the drummer and the guitar player, basically. It's, it's Phil Ehart and Rich Williams. Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, and others. And, and guests. And guests. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because the drummer kind of, Phil is the one that holds that band together. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. That's the way it should his, be. Well, this is true. Your drummer should hold that band together. That's true. But yeah, I just, great music, didn't chart, didn't, nothing. It was a blip. I remember being in Clemson, South Carolina at my favorite little record shop called Manifest Music and seeing it on the little marquee for like a week. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, it's a new Kansas. And, and it's gone. And, and it's gone. Hey, I just saw them. I took that chick to yeah, yeah, never mind. Yeah, we had two dates. Oh, well, yeah. it worked. You know. Next time you take her, take her to see Rainbow. <laughs> At Cowboys. At Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that would have gone off real well. <laughs> a little line dance. Wait, to... is that a rainbow on your poster? What the hell? <laughs> so that is what I have for you, man. I tell you what, for a classic rock band who was newly put into that category in the 90s. It was tough, man. The yeah. alternative era was tough it on the classic rock bands. Wiping everybody else out. They were not used to being treated this way. Mm-mm. And most, like I said, most of these albums that I played are not on major labels. They had nope. to kind of step back down and do a smaller label without the funding. And they weren't used to this. It was a new beginning for a lot of these bands. But everything I played, I think is badass. And all these bands... I read everything, all their accomplishments, how many albums they sold. I mean, Mm. just killer bands. There's no reason that people should have let them go. Right. Creatively, I feel bad that not as many people heard it, but I have to remind myself they were still multimillionaires. They were doing fine. They were doing fine. But they were still artists. They're still making art. That's what I'm saying. On the creative side, that's when I feel their pain. I've never understood what it's like to have multi-millions of dollars to then go out and just mess around with, but I know what it's like to, hey, I want to go create something new and different and cool that everybody wants to hear. But and it you also struggle and you make it work. Yeah, but it also makes sense. Like, you can't be on top forever. No. That's just not well, the way I mean, it works. Yeah, there's a few people out there's there. There's a few that do it, like but Kiss. not many. Like, um... I wouldn't say they were on top. <laughs> they still do okay. In his mind, yes. In Gene's mind, they are on top, yes. Yeah. Remember earlier when I said some bands should know when to yeah. probably call it quits? They, yeah. they don't know that. Yeah. No, they yeah, will be well, going for a little longer. Love them, but yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time. And with that, that's what I have this week. Later.
In the movies, being bitten by an animal gives you the superpowers of that animal, plus other powers. But in real life, the only power you get is the power to die. Learn the facts. Rabies kills nearly 4,000 Americans every 1,000 years. Rabies. Ugh.